Hey everybody, welcome back to the Goody Radio Radio Show. My name is Michael, and of course I'm joined today by Mercy Pilkington. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm not, I'm fairly adequate, thanks. Now, I guess like the big subject that's been going on for about a week and a half so far is erotica books, self-published ebooks being taken down on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and Kobo, and major bookstores completely shutting down their ebook section due to this firestorm. So we have WH Smith in the UK that took down their ebook store, and uh, most recently Whitcools in New Zealand also took down their store. The big thing that those two uh, traditional booksellers have in common is that they sell books from Kobo. So when Kobo enters a new market, they make agreements with bookstores saying, okay, we'll allow you to sell ebooks and we'll hook you up with ebooks or ebook readers uh, such as the Kobo Touch, Kobo Aura and t- our tablets and anytime a book is sold you'll earn a commission and anytime a device is sold you'll, you'll earn a commission and so this isn't just like a UK New Zealand problem it's whenever Kobo expands to a new country they get their ebooks being sold whether it's in Italy Spain France Germany and, and whatnot so i guess the big issue is that there's no mod moderation with self published titles and so anybody could upload a title there's nobody reading the book there's nobody uh, verifying that the book is you know um, not having to do with like incest or bestiality or, or what have you or even just poorly written it just automatically added to the store whenever you go visit your local bookseller and say you know i want to buy this ebook you know these books are listed there what do you think about this entire situation well i think we fell into a trap of a very unfortunate minority that were ruining it for the rest of us um you're right there is almost no curation whatsoever of self-published titles. Um, but it was three three years ago, gosh, uh, that I spoke to Mark Coker, who founded Smashwords, and asked him why this business model, why this anybody-can-do-it kind of business model. And he said, every book deserves a chance. And if the audience hates it, if the readers think it's lousy or stupid or badly edited or about an offensive content, then they will speak up. They will, you know, in the reviews, and uh, and the book will basically not go anywhere if it's not worthy. Um, and so I, I do understand that that crusade attitude he's got there. But at the same time, you know, we have to look at how did these books make their way into the children's section? Was it an accident of metadata? or you know, cross-referencing titles, or was it someone's intentional, ugly and nefarious attempt to, to put this content in front of children? And so I think that is the bigger question that we need answered before we can say, yes, ebooks need to be curated more closely, or we need to be taking down titles. Um, we need to understand how this happened and why. Well, I think it's because ebooks have really undergone an explosion the last probably three or four years really since you and I started covering this industry is Mm -hmm. ebooks were you know less than three percent of publishers entire net revenue now they're up to 24 25 26 percent of major publishers revenue and it's only increasing quarter by quarter and so Mm -hmm. with this much new ebook content coming from major publishers and then you have double or triple the amount coming from self-published content i don't feel like amazon or barnes and noble or kobo actually 
have invested very much into their search algorithms. So if you're in the children's section and you type in a keyword daddy, you're going to get books like Who's Your Daddy, you know, and, and erotica books about, you know, My Big Daddy, you know, things like that, because right. those books those keywords are in the book title's name and they're more likely to appear in say a section that has a lot of books with the word daddy in the title, which is the right. kids section. Right. And, and again, that, that goes back to speaking to what was the intent. Did the author upload her erotica title and list it very clearly as an erotica adult content book? And then, you know, just a, a basically a computer algorithm made it happen. Or did this person actually go into the, the categories when they uploaded the title and list it in such a way that it could easily be found? I do know that companies like Smashwords do have very strict policies on the consequences for them finding that your book was purposely listed incorrectly. Or, I'm sorry, for that matter, even accidentally listed incorrectly. You better know what you're doing before you hit that publish button and make sure that you've checked the box if this is adult-only content. And titles, like you mentioned, with the word daddy or it, for example, or little girl, you know, those would be immediate red flags. And Smashwords does do their best to take a look at, at that content. So, yes, it can be done, but the point you mentioned with so much content coming to the market every single day, how long does an author have to wait? You know, somebody who writes a, a nice little story about taking a camping trip on the prairie, how long does that have, person have to wait for their book to be vetted when it's not even anything remotely questionable? Um, and so I, I think at the time we're doing the best we can in self-publishing. And in the cases of the stores that have chosen to take down titles, more power to them because the rights of a child for safety far supersede the rights of a person to publish a book. Okay, so let's look at what's really happened. Um, mm -hmm. I know that W.H. Smith said that they're going to reopen their e-book store, but they're going to suspend the listing of self-published books en masse. So you will not be able to go to W.H. Smith anymore and find any self-published titles it will only be titles by publishing houses both large and small so you'll still have self-published titles but they belong to um you know a, like a proper publishing label you know there's some mm -hmm. sort of infrastructure there for like quality and editing and promotion or or and, and whatnot so do you think that wh smith is making the right call by just boycotting self-published titles altogether I don't think so, only because it's too easy to make your own publishing company. Um, for that matter, I can start charging authors. If, you're, if you were formerly selling and doing well on those websites and now suddenly your book is gone, sure, I just have to send you an email and say, hey, give me 100 bucks and I'll put you in my publishing company. And now I'm a, published, you know, I'm a publishing company and your book is now put up there by a publisher. And so it's, it's basically a Band-Aid approach to a bigger problem. Um, Again, and that problem still speaks to how did this happen? Um, if it's just metadata or keyword searching, then we need to do a better job of making sure that these things don't cross-reference quite so easily. Um, in the terms of books being, I mean, intentionally questionable, you and I were speaking before we got started about a book that Amazon removed in 2010 called The Pedophile's Guide to Love and Pleasure. And the firestorm that happened when Amazon made the decision first to not remove the book 
and then to remove the book. Um, there were critics on both sides of that debate saying this is censorship, you're taking away this person's right to publish. And what a lot of people don't understand is you do not have an automatic right to publish. Um, you do have limits to freedom of speech, even in the U.S. And then we're talking about markets. Cubo is in 190 countries, and they just added India. You're talking about markets where you do not have freedom of the press or freedom of speech. And so it is not an, an ingrained right to sell a book in that country. So, you know, they're, they're, I think they're doing the best they can in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a huge proponent to the concept that just because you have a word processor doesn't mean that you're an author just because you upload a book does not mean that it should be available for sale in any bookstore that you upload it to i mean there mm -hmm. should be some degree of like quality especially when you look at like bookstores like say at amazon or barnes and noble or kobo and then like you said i mean um, or what i said at the top of the show is like you know kobo's in india now and so you have a lot of Indian bookstores that have hundreds of millions of people buying books and saying, oh, I could buy an ebook from this company now. So they log on to the website. It's powered by Kobo. And anybody who's ever uploaded a title before in writing life, they can actually have that title. And it's the bad searching. You know, you could be searching for bedtime stories for your kids and find all these like erotica titles with, you know, dicks on the covers and half naked right. people and, you know, for some pretty raunchy content, but there's right. no way to filter that content out. I don't have the option to say, I do not want to display x-rated material i do not want to display erotica material and i think that that's the the greater issue with a lot of these ebook resellers that actually have self-publishing content um you know platforms available kindle direct publishing nook press kobo writing life right but at the same time you know you and i were talking before we got started about for example an rl stein title the man who brought us the beloved goosebump series and the slightly older slightly um more edgy a little more dangerous fear street series both of those series decidedly for middle school and high school students he decided to delve into adult horror fiction and came up with a completely inappropriately nasty uh sexually explicit rape culture book um, which I'm sure you know, was great for a certain audience, but how many people clicked on that title and bought it thinking, oh, I know who R.L. Stein is, my child loves his Goosebumps books, you know, and bought this one sight unseen. So just being published by a known author or a traditional publisher is not going to save us. And at the same time, we spoke about a, a self-published title I happen to know about called The Bedroom Killer. Um, that book is listed in crime thrillers. It is decidedly about detectives trying to find a serial killer, um, but it's coming up right now in health and health and personal product or something health and something products on Amazon, as well as in the ebook section. So when you find the book section, that's great, but you can also find it in the I think it was health and beauty section on Amazon. It's just because someone looked for that title, possibly bought it, and then added something else to their shopping cart. You know, maybe they added you know a certain kind of makeup to their shopping cart while they were ordering the book, and so it's now cross-matched and so it shows up in a completely different section of Amazon. I won't say inappropriate because there's nothing there. I mean when you click on the link to the bedroom killer you find you know you find the book description and you know what it's about but the that was simply done through a computer you know through the through the search process. And that's because it has bedroom in a title. Absolutely. Even though it also has the word killer in the title uh, <laughs> it has the word bedroom in the title and so it's it's cross-matched there. 
So possibly through a consumer. So suffice to say, I, a lot of these ebook companies need to invest more in their searching algorithms. So just because you're in the kids section and there's erotica titles popping up, that should not happen. And I mean, you know, as you said, authors do, you know, they don't actually have like the right to publish, but you know, um, you should be able to sell your book if you've spent a lot of time on it. But that book shouldn't necessarily be appearing in sections that it should not. So right. um, I'm I'm really encouraging, you know, these companies that offer self-publishing programs to invest more in the searching and to invest, invest more in, you know, in some sort of like features that I could say I do not want these to even be showing up in the results. Like look at Google, for example, you can, you can initiate safe search. And if you do that, no porn sites, no, you know, videos will pop up, no X-rated pictures will pop up. I mean, right. things, they tend to pop up anyways, but it's with a way lesser degree. And I, I think that you know, some sort of safe search on these bookstores would be at least a step in the right direction. So self-publishers can continue to upload their books. But if I don't want, if I have kids and I let them use my iPad and I let, you know, I say, you know, you, I, I encourage you to read whatever book that you want to buy, go for it. And I could leave them with the tablet unsupervised, knowing that I have these parental controls enabled, so they won't find anything that they shouldn't be able to find. Right. And I agree with that, but you are also touching on a bigger issue. We are seeing a rash of behaviors that are leading to criminal behavior among teens and children. Um, we're also seeing bigger than ever numbers of cyberbullying and resulting suicides. And so if we're seeing children accessing erotica content through an ebook website and especially one that is branded to a major retailer, why are those children on that website alone? Why are children making book purchases without their parents' permission? First of all, how do you know they're not racking up a massive bill, let alone <laughs> accessing books they shouldn't? So for that matter, I could send my child to a book website where she could access that R.L. Stein title I mentioned. Um, there needs to be a lot more parental responsibility in this as well, especially since we know this is possibly happening. Um, but we're, we're still seeing far too much behavior where children are let loose on the Internet. And you would think in 2013 we know better because this has been a rampant problem. But even coming down to shopping, um, I know there are a lot of apps right now, a lot of, um, sorry, enhanced ebook developers right now who have um, really taken steps to make sure the child cannot make an in-app purchase. I know there were lawsuits over that where a child playing a game or reading a book was actually purchasing subsequent titles in the series or add-ons to the game and there was actually a lawsuit on behalf of parents who had set their children down with a tablet and, the ch and then lo and behold a bill came due at the end of the month where the child had inadvertently made purchases without permission. So Again, there has to be a lot more responsibility on the part of the consumers to protect their own children from this as well. Okay, so I have two points. One, I think Apple recognized that, and they actually mm -hmm. have, um, I think, a, a listing in all apps now that actually say that this app has in-app purchases. So, right. you know, parents could be aware that this app will have, you know, 
offering their kids credits or gold right. or exclusive content if you pay a dollar ninety nine or you know you could play longer if you if you invest in money. So Apple does actually give that indication, but mm -hmm. they're the exception and, and not the standard. And right. going back to you know parents letting their kids have access to ebooks and to buy ebooks. I look at bookstores and when I was a kid, I would look forward to go to the bookstore and my parents would like, you know, as soon as I'd walk in, I'd run away from them and, you know, <laughs> I'd go into like the, the teen section and look at a Hardy Boys book or, you know, some fantasy section. And right. if I'm in a bookstore, it's pretty safe. I, I'm not going to be greeted by an entire wall of titles that have to do with like incest, rape and bestiality. But right. when I'm on an ebook store, there's thousands of titles about that. So what's what's so different about letting your kid run wild and free in a traditional bookstore like a Barnes and Noble, a Books a Million, a Chapters and Indigo and, and things like that versus being online in a bookstore? Well, first of all, when you went into that physical bookstore, some of those books were still available in there, unless it was a, an independently owned store where the owner or proprietor had set, had made a decision to not allow those titles to be accessible. You might still see stores that have, for example, some of these magazines behind the counter inside a wrapper, you know, and you have to request it to, to keep people from accidentally picking it up and finding it. But walk into any bookstore and you can find, for example, Fifty Shades of Grey is right there front and center on its own big display table and anyone can pick it up but I think the difference is in a physical bookstore if a child walked up to the display because of the really interesting mask on the cover of the E.L. James book and started to look through it somebody would come along even if that person's the child's parents weren't there a bookstore employee might come along and go oh sweetie that is not for you let me take you over here to the kids section and that is you're right that's what we're missing in an ebook store but just in a physical bookstore, that doesn't mean that content is not there. It means there are better safeguards and less accessibility. So again, you know, were you sent to the bookstore on your own with a credit card to buy as many books as you wanted to? Probably not. So somebody still was curating your purchases, either in the form of giving you an allowance where you could only buy so many titles, if not actually being with you and standing at the checkout with you and making that purchase for you. And in the case of an e-bookstore, we're not seeing that, you know. Now, I fully believe students might be passing around, hey, guys, you got to check out this title. Use the look inside feature on Amazon. That would be the really, a really, really nerdy thing for kids to do is uh. to swap titles and say, hey, go home and get on Amazon and look at the look inside feature, you know, but it's possible. But even there, I mean, first of all, the very first month that you get that bill, from your credit card that says there were you know $300 worth of purchases on amazon.com this month why did it get to happen again so you know I, I do have to put some of that some of that responsibility I don't want to say blame but some of the responsibility back on the parents especially if this is not something that is being done intentionally if this is just an, an accident of metadata or of keyword searching you know you now that you know it You've got to watch what your kids are doing online, and that is universal. Whether they're looking at ebooks, whether they're looking at online, uh, you know, anime or graphic novels, whatever they're looking at, you need to take responsibility and see what your kids are looking at. Okay, so I think that the big question that I guess W. H. Smith really kind of answered was that we're not going to stock self-published titles 
anymore. So it looks like Kobo actually has made a new feature that if a bookstore requests it, they could just axe every single self-published title from appearing on that ebook store's website. So this mm-hmm. comes to the issue of segregation. Do you yes, it does. <laughs> do you do you think that indie authors books should appear side by side with major published books or do you think that they should be relegated to their own section because if wh smith could say i don't we don't want any self-published books until this you know this situation is solved which could feasibly go on for years do you think that the answer is to segregate self-published books into their specific categories i don't and I will say at the risk of, of, of just projecting on the situation itself, I, it almost feels to me like this is the situation that a lot of bookstores and publishers were waiting for. I think we've just handed them ex- an excuse to take down every self-published title. I own self-published cookbooks that I've bought by someone who you know, had a, a very niche market of, of Caribbean recipes, for example. Um, so that person's book will not appear in a bookstore, an online bookstore, excuse me, from these these retailers. And so, you know, to me, this is just the excuse they wanted. Um, we have not even determined if this was intentional. We haven't determined how many of these titles have been seen, accessed, and that kind of stuff can be checked if the retailers would release their data, which they won't. So it kind of feels like, you know, they didn't want the self-published books in there, and I think there's a lot of publisher pressure to make that the case. You know, and and now we've given them an excuse. You know, one bad thing happens, now we have a reason to take down all self-published books. So I think this is intentional targeting. Um, at the same time, what we're hearing in the industry right now is that publishers and agents are really enjoying the vetting process of self-publishing because they get to pick and choose. They can go through the list of self-published books, look at the ones that have hundreds of reviews or that you know are, are ranked number one consistently, and they can reach out and offer that author a deal. So we've got plenty of authors who've been picked up by publishers that way. And so I think the publishers are shooting themselves in the foot if they support this move to, to segregate the, the self-published titles. At the same time, as a consumer, I do not see people going, I think I'll just wander over to the self-published section and see if anything good has come up today. I think this is going to be just another blow to self-publishing. Because, you know, it's one thing to find a book, to see it has good rankings, or to hear about a title on social media and go look for it. It's another thing on your own to decide, I think self-published authors are worthy and I'm going to see what they've written lately. And I just don't see consumers doing it. Well, I'm drawn to what the agreement that Apple and Smashwords did this year where Smashwords kind of gave them a curated list of the best Mm -hmm. self-published titles and Apple actually has their own uh, featured indie author spotlight section. It's not available in all markets, but it is available Mm -hmm. in like Australia, New Zealand and some, you know, pan-Pacific regions and it's kind of filtered into some other regions as well and what Smashwords has done is they're not giving them their entire catalog but they're saying like look these these are the best quality of work that our self-publishing you know platform has provided and apple has you know we trust you uh coker you know and and these books actually do well on apple but their smashwords isn't saying you have to have our entire catalog it's it's basically this is the cream of the crop and this is the type of stuff that your customers using ibooks would really like and I kind of I like that approach because 
Smashwords has hundreds, if not thousands, of books being published on a, on a weekly basis, um, and that's being very conservative. I like the idea of curating that content to a major bookstore like Apple saying that this is the cream of the crop. These are the best of the best. So these are the books that are going to be listed in our bookstore rather than saying our entire catalog of like, you know, 50 million books have to be listed in your bookstore. I I like the idea of curated content of self-published content rather than just saying just because it's a self-published title it has a right to be listed in the bookstore well first of all it's not curated content in terms of the best of the best it's the best selling of the best and again let's bring up el james she is a best-selling author the book is crap so you know, and that that is kind of a universal accepted statement, you know, in the publishing industry. It had a following because it's different. It's very interesting. I read the first one, could not even bring myself to borrow the <laughs> second one from the library. And it's not not a prudish thing. The writing itself did not work for me. It was not a good book, oh, it's in, my, in my opinion. It, yeah, I was trying to be generous. <laughs> yeah, no, from bad. like a writing point of view, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, pretty bad. it's basic, it, it's, you know... Right. Right. I don't but think there's like, any word that's yeah. more than three syllables in it. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know. Orgasm has three syllables, so I think that's all we needed. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it, but it sold. And because it was very different, it was very edgy, it was unlike other things that you could find. And she was a great marketer. And so to just say that based on sales, a book was great, that's, that's not going to work. Now, truthfully, Smashwords does require extra steps of self-published authors in order to be listed in what they call the premium catalog. You can list your book on Smashwords. You cannot have them send it over to Apple unless it meets certain standards, but only for the formatting and the layout. And that's not to make sure your book is a, quote, good book. It's just to make sure it's a really good readable book. So your margins line up. You're not going to have blank spaces in between your pages on your e-reader. A working table of contents. Exactly. You know? Things like that. If you have a table of contents, it has to work. You know, things like that. Um, even down to how many space returns you can have. You can't have more than four in a row so that there doesn't end up being a big blank empty space. Right, in that your ebook, ebook right. cover art meets right. the, just the requirements to actually Absolutely. be listed and not pixelated. Right. And so that is the that is the requirement to be able to be sent over to Apple. But yes, they are. And they I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they're doing this with their library catalogs as well. 3M Systems picked up some of the Smashwords catalog and it's simply the top selling books. And that makes sense. I mean, consumers want to read what is obviously being read by other people. Um, but there are just as many people who want to find that, you know, that diamond in the rough, you know, hidden gem of an ebook. And so I'm, I'm not not for segregating content just because it happens to be self-published. I have no problem with segregating content because the margins don't work, <laughs> you know, or if I open it on my e-reader after paying for it, it's not going to work. So I think there are good parameters in terms of deciding which books get sold where, but just saying it's self-published is not a, not a valid one. Okay, so I, I'm quite famous for being kind of down sometimes <laughs> on, on indie authors. Yes, um, you are. <laughs> and, and, I, I think it just comes down to like I know a lot of people that are self-published and and they just feel so damn entitled that like just because they spent a month, a year, two years, five years on a book that like I should be able to have this listed with you know side by side with like 
a James Patterson, you know, a Lee Child, um, and all this stuff just because I've written the, the next new great thriller book. And Probably with vampires in it. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that just because it's a self-published book does not directly make it entitled to be listed for sale. I, I do like, you know, everything that we've talked about. Just because the book has sold it should be listed you know despite the fact it may or may not be a good book that's ultimately right. super subjective um right. i i like what smashwords and apple are doing that books that have sold are books that are going to be listed the crap that hasn't been that doesn't get any sales or is horrible will will won't be found in these bookstores at all i just think that the overall e-bookstore experience is being eroded just through the copious amount of self-published titles and no way to really vet them so it's getting harder to find the good books just because there's so much schlock out there that's like right. polluting search results that's you know like we mentioned about um the book appearing into like the beauty and home section you know right. that that's <laughs> such a fine example of search results getting polluted just because that there's key words in the title and i think it's like it's ruining ebook discovery and so people are ultimately going to amazon and going to the best selling section and looking at like the first two pages and that's how they're discovering ebooks right um but i will say this first of all yes you are absolutely correct there are plenty of authors out there who cannot take a single word of editorial direction because their book is the best book ever written. And they know that because their mom said so. Um, and basically those people are not going to sell any books because their books are not good. Um, what we are finding though is, is a very true statement. And the last person I heard to say something along these lines was Hugh Howie uh, a couple weeks ago. who told me that bad books existing does not in any way block good books from being found. And John Fine from Amazon was actually in that conversation, too. And he said that, you know, back when anybody could create a website, when that was the new thing, when everybody could, could go through a, a host and create a website, he said having a bad website did not stop you from finding good websites that you like to go to. The same is true in the App Store. We're still seeing app developers struggle to get their, their apps discovered. Again, just because there are 5,000 apps that do the same thing yours does, it does not make yours less usable by people who have found it and like it. So the existence of bad books does not ruin the existence of good books. Um, but at the same time, what we have really seen is the breakdown of the gatekeeper. There are so many great books out there that would never have seen the light of day on a, on a page or on an e-reader if we were still relying on market trends in the publishing industry. Um, as part of our indie author initiative that we started with Goody Reader several years ago, we met so many authors who said you know, they had received great feedback from the traditional publishing industry and were ultimately rejected based simply on the marketability of the book. So my, my little joke there about vampires, if you wrote about vampires, forget it. The traditional publishing industry is done with you. Right now, I'm serious. The thing apparently in romance is humans and dinosaurs. I am not making that up. I really wish I was. But we're done with vampires. We're done with werewolves. We did zombies. We did robots. We're finished. So if you're writing anything in those categories, forget it. They're not going to publish it. So, yeah, there are other reasons a book doesn't make it out there in front of readers besides just the quality of the book itself. And I think self-publishing is a great tool for that. So, you know, I honestly think that that might be a, a good, like, article for one of us to write about 
dinosaurs? Well, it, it's <laughs> more or less bringing people up to date on trends because, like, mm. you know, I, I, what you exactly said, I actually heard it. Book Expo yes. America this year, talking to publishers and agents saying that, you know, paranormal romance is dead right now unless you're like an established author that dominates that genre. But if you're like writing a title for the first time, it may be the best book ever mm -hmm. written, but it will not get a publishing deal just because right. that genre is saturated and it's not it's not doing that well sales wise right now. These mm -hmm. are the niches that are, are selling right now. If you could do a book like this, it's yeah. sort of like, what do you got? I got a vampire romance book. What else do you got? Nothing. Exactly. See you later. Right. And I'm going to jump in here a second because what you just said, the, the publisher saying that paranormal romance is kind of dead. First of all, and I don't say these words lightly and I don't say them often that demonstrates right there some of the blind stupidity in the publishing industry. Are you seriously telling me that the paranormal fans are not willing to buy another book? Give me a break. Okay. <laughs> Basically what they really are trying to say is they cannot invest in a book with that limited an audience, but somebody could put it up on Amazon, Smashwords, Apple, wherever they want to, and they could do a decent amount of income. You know, no, they're not going to be wealthy and quit their day jobs. They may or may not make an established bestseller list, but they can certainly see a return on their investment and they can grow a following. And as Howie keeps saying, your best marketing tool for your first book is your second book. And so especially among certain genre fans like the romance or the paranormal or, or crossovers, you know, those fans are going to buy that next book. And for the industry to just say, yeah, I think what it is is it boils down to not just laziness, but the fact that they are looking for the next trend. They are constantly searching for what is going to sell and be the big breakout. We keep hearing from Scholastic, and I adore Scholastic, but that they have not had another Hunger Games. Well, that's because that was the Hunger Games. It's done. What's your next thing? And that's the thing. Publishers are constantly looking for the next thing instead of creating content for the fans that loved the Hunger Games. Well, I know that Ender's Game, I mean, it's been out for a while, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, that book is suddenly appearing on the New York Times bestseller list just because, because there's a movie. new movie coming right. out <laughs> with like Harrison Ford and a bunch of like other, you know, legendary actors in right. it, aside from like some new talent. But going back to people saying that, you know, paranormal romance is dead, it's not so much dead is that that there's certain people that dominate that genre. And if you're a publisher, it's like you can't, you've only have so many authors writing for a specific genre that you could market and promote at the same time. Otherwise that you're just like a vampire and paranormal imprint. You know, right. if, if I'm like a, a Harper Collins and uh, you know that this month or in the next three months, I have three authors and three books that we're going to put all of our marketing and might behind. But we only have two books about dinosaurs right now, so we need a third. So right. we need to find another book that we could, you know, promote and, and put our, our, our marketing machine behind. And mm -hmm. it just seems like, you know, publishers are looking for the next the next trend to connect and resonate and, and convert into sales. And a lot of people are just looking at the past, you know, authors. Yeah. Um, maybe started writing their first book 
right when the Hunger Games was starting to take off and dominate all the sales charts and were constantly, you know, number one, two, and three on Amazon. It's like, oh, there's something yeah. to this, like, post-apocalyptic teen love story dystopian. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to write something similar. Uh, well, I can only write once a week and it's going to take me, you know, a year to write and then, like, another half a year to, like, edit and, and to format correctly. And then all of a sudden at that that whole genre is stale now and no one's willing to take a gamble on it. And so you kind of like wasted that year and a half of your life writing a book that no publisher will ever seriously look at until the cyclical sort of nature of the publishing industry goes full circle. And maybe in a few years from now uh, that that genre will become popular again. Right. And you know, you also, you, you kind of touched on the point of the, the, basically the snail's pace of the publishing industry as well. Um, a book that came out kind of, you know, arm in arm with The Hunger Games was the Divergent series by Veronica Ross. Yes. It's a fantastic book. Yeah. Book three comes out this month. Why? Why did I have to wait that long to read it? I forgot what happened in book two. Uh. And, I, and I am a college-educated adult. Basically, in the meantime, I have found 20 other authors that I like better. Because their content comes out and I can read another one. And, you know, it's not just the concept of just spitting out title after title and, and convincing readers to read crap because they got to read it fast. Like James Patterson? <laughs> well, but even there, his is not, I think his was very good writing. Um, but I'm talking about, some, especially some of the romance imprints are criticized for this. In that, you know, you, you spit out a title every three months, how good could it be? But I think self-publishing has spoiled, or at least digital publishing, has spoiled the readers in that, you know, I'm not waiting a year and a half. She wrote that book a year and a half ago, and the publisher's been sitting on it. And you're right. It takes time to market. It takes time to edit it. It takes time to actually physically put it on paper. But that book has been written. And they wouldn't even release the name of the title until this summer. That was artificial. And, you know, I think a lot of readers really took offense to that. You know, I don't need to be doled out like I'm waiting for the Beatles to show up in America here. <laughs> you know, it, it's I know book three is coming. I know she wrote it. She knew how it ended probably when she was working on book two. Maybe she hadn't written all the ins and outs, but she knew exactly how it was going to end. And, you know, this was an interview with J.K. Rowling many years ago before her books were all published. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm working on book six right now, but the final chapter of book seven is done. And she said, it's in a bank vault. Please do not come to my house looking for it. <laughs> you know, But she had an idea of how this was going to wrap up. And so by artificially holding on to a book to generate buzz or to increase interest or to try to maximize on the sales of books one and two, fans are starting to, to basically lose tolerance for that. You know, there's, there's no reason for a book to take a, a year and a half to make it to market, especially when it's a book in a series. Yeah, I no, I totally agree. I mean, there's some authors that I really like that only publish once every few years. Like uh, Neil Gaiman is one of them. You know, right. he he doesn't publish every year. And um, look at, at some of my oh, other Dan favorite. Brown. Yeah, or like you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at like a Douglas Copeland or a William mm -hmm. Gibson or like a Tom Robbins. It seems like they they're not under pressure to like always write and to produce books x number of times a year they're prolific writers they could write when they damn well please you know right. or when inspiration strikes them but i do you know we all know the publishing industry and we do know that like a, a publisher will sit on a book for like six months 
and then mm-hmm. say, oh, we have a few other titles coming out. We'll release it in the, in, at Christmas time or right. we'll release it like in January or February just so that there's no other competition for this mm-hmm. genre so the marketing machine could work. And I mean, that's how it's always been in the publishing industry where, you know, it's usually – the, the fourth quarter of the year is when all the big books come out because they they want them to be Christmas buys, gift buys, mm-hmm. stocking stuffers, or like when you receive that new tablet or e-reader uh, Christmas morning, those two weeks afterwards are often the biggest times for online uh, booksellers like Amazon or Kobo or Barnes and Noble, it's a press release hits my desk every single day saying, you know, we've hit, broke another record for like, you know, <laughs> the week after Christmas in terms of sales. And, you know, that's publishers know that that's the big time of year. And there's certain big times of year, you know, back to school, um, before summer, you know, when summer starts, springtime, you know, there's certain months of the year where the, all the good books seem to all come out at once. Right. Absolutely. But like you said, you know, some of that is all just artificial in terms of marketing. As we, we know that, you know, a, a horror book might sell better in October when people are thinking Halloween. And so there are genuine reasons for that. But at the same time, I think the readers are the ones going, you know, I don't need to wait anymore. I've got a, a, a host of other authors I can choose from who are turning out content every single day. And I can pick their books to read instead. All right. So as you guys have heard, we've covered a lot in today's edition of the Goody Reader Radio Show. If you've, we've missed something or if we've maybe lightly touched on something that uh, you want us to expand upon in another update to the show, you can just comment on our website. It's goodyreader.com. If you're listening to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, SoundHound, or various other uh, you know podcast mediums, uh, you can leave a comment directly on our website and we'll get back to it. Uh, Mercy and myself will be doing a radio show every single week starting Wednesdays, so you can stay tuned to Goody Reader for uh, our you know, weekly show where we're going to talk about indie authors, self-publishing, and whatever major news stories have hit the wire in that particular day. Uh, Mercy, any final thoughts? Nothing except go out and support indie authors. All right. Keep us out of the segregated section. (laughs) (laughs) And I will remain mum on the matter. So this is Michael, (laughs) uh, editor-in-chief of Good E-Reader, and uh, Mercy Pilkington, seminal and prolific self-published author. You've been listening to the Good E-Reader radio show. Everybody take care.